Amen. Praise the Lord for that worship. And uh, so thankful to be able to do that as uh, this local body of Christ. And um, so thankful for uh, one, of the, one of the prayer requests earlier today about just the body of Christ as a whole in the world. And, uh, but I'll be honest with you, I, I love uh, locally getting together, but I'm so thankful that uh, God is on the throne and uh, people are worshiping all across this world today in the name of Jesus. And uh, my prayer is that, uh, that your heart was uh, prepared and, uh, to worship and to continue to worship now as we look into the Word. Let me tell you, if I didn't see you on Wednesday night at our Bible study, Happy New Year. I hope that you uh, rung that in. How many of you stayed up? Come on, let's be honest. How many of you stayed up? How many of you went to bed? Raise your hand. Uh, me too. We, either we're getting old or it's just lost its luster. I'm not sure. I think it was like 9 o'clock. I sent my, you know, once the ball dropped in New York, although I didn't see it, but I just know it did, sent my congratulation text out, and I'm like, peace out, I'm going to bed, and uh, got a good night's sleep, but hopefully uh, you have enjoyed uh, the, uh, the, the newness of a new year, and, uh, just exciting what God is doing. I am so thankful for how Mike ended the year last year on December 30th, the last Sunday that we gathered together uh, for 2018 with an emphasis on prayer and how you and I, we can get uh, we just all kinds of distractions and reasons for why we don't pray. And guess where the Lord is going to direct us to begin 2019 with? That is, you're going to feel like you're in Sunday school, but that's okay, Bible reading. Bible reading. I want to preach this morning on the Bible as our compass. How many of you remember the song? Maybe you didn't grow up in church, but you remember the song, Read Your Bible and Pray Every Day. How many of you remember that? How many of you have never heard that before? How many of you didn't just raise your hand? Okay, Mike, hey, we need to sing a song here. No, I'm just kidding. We won't do that. Uh, read Your Bible, Pray Every Day. Uh, psalm 119. The 119th Psalm, please. Psalm 119, this is a psalm of David. Uh, If you were to uh, begin a study through this, you would find that the Word of God or a reference to the Word, testimonies, commandments, statutes, those different types of things would be mentioned in well over 95% of every one of the verses that is found in Psalm 119. And so we can definitely say that it is a chapter of the Word of God And uh, there are many, many verses, and we're going to go verse by verse through that this morning. Hey, appreciate that. No, I'm just kidding. We won't do that. We're going to look at just one verse, kind of springboard off it, topical message here this morning on the Bible as our compass. It says in verse 105, Psalm 119, Psalm of David, inspired by the Holy Spirit, 105, thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Thy word, right here, thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Let's pray one more time, please. Father, I thank You, God, for Your word. I thank You that You have communicated to us. And it has often uh, been called Your love letter to us. And I'm thankful for the word of God. I'm thankful that we hold it, look at it in a, uh, a, an electronic form this morning, or we have committed portions of it to our memory, that we have Your very words. And as the psalmist David said, they are a lamp 
and to our feet. And they're a light to our path. They are our compass. They, they guide us. And as the Lord has seen fit to take two weeks here to kind of just bring our church back to the basics. The basics of prayer last week and the basic of Bible reading. And God, I'm asking you to do a supernatural thing here this morning. I'm asking you, God, to work in every single person's heart here to not tune out, to not think it's elementary, to not think that they've got it all together, but that each of us would realize the immense need of the Word of God in our life. And Lord, I believe that if we were to open up our hearts before You, I think each of us would feel a little bit of remorse for the lack of study of Your Word. Maybe we've relied on someone else to feed us. And God, You desire for us to be men and women in a church that is of the praying nature as well as men and women in a church that is in the Word. And Father, I pray that You'd use this time now. And Lord, I pray You'd eliminate or uh, just diminish the distractions. We pray that You'd bind the devil and his demons and the power that they have that we would that they would submit to your great power. And God will give you the glory for it in Jesus name. Amen. In 1914, Ernest Shackleton and a team of explorers set out from England to do something that no one at that time had ever accomplished before. And that was to cross Antarctica along the South Pole. And as they embarked on this journey, of course, disaster struck when the team ship, which was called Endurance, and you can read about this in the book entitled Endurance, uh, it became entrapped in ice and eventually sank after the hull was ultimately crushed. They were marooned on a nearby elephant island, and there seemed little hope for, um, for Ernest and his crew's survival. And in a desperate effort to get help, uh, Shackleton and five others, they set out on a 20-foot lifeboat across some of the most treacherous uh, waters and storm-filled waters. It was an, an 800-mile journey to South Georgia Island where help could finally be found. For 15 days, these men on this 20-foot uh, little boat in these tumultuous just wind and seas. There was uh, one testimony of waves eclipping a hundred feet high. They finally were able to make it and all they used was a compass and a sextant. Frank Worsley, who was the captain of the Endurance, he navigated their course until they safely reached and found land. And Shackleton, he was able to get another big ship and he went back to uh, the place where all of the men were stranded and he was able to rescue all of the men. And he became a national hero in England for his courage as well as his persistence. Now all of us here this morning, we are making our way through a stormy world. Would anybody deny that? That the world seems to be on fire right now. Our country here 
in America that we are blessed to have the freedoms to gather here this morning and to worship our Savior seems to be in such turmoil. But it started ever since the first sin in the Garden of Eden. Mankind has struggled to make wise decisions about an uncertain future. And the only way that you and I are going to ensure that we do not go astray is to have an objective source of truth that is to guide us. And this morning, my goal in this message this morning is not necessarily to prove the validity or the truth of the Word. You can go back onto our website and you can see a series uh, that we preached through entitled, What is Truth? to get a better understanding. Now, we are going to make the assumption and we are going to conclude this morning that we have the, what, the, the absolute truth that can guide you and me. Just as a compass can guide sailors through a dark and uncharted waters, God's Word can guide us through an uncertain and difficult circumstances. We must simply trust it over our feelings. We must trust it over our wisdom. We must trust it over our contrary advice maybe that we have received from others. And so God has chosen fit between the the already of your salvation. If you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, listen carefully today and that could become your story today. But God has chosen that between the already of your salvation, your new life in Jesus Christ, and the not yet of our future home in heaven for us to have a, have a guide for us. A functional level of, uh, of biblical guidance. And you and I must have a literacy of it. One of the Father's most important gifts to His children and the here and now is the gift of His Word. Hear what I'm about to say. You and I will simply not be what God has called us to be and consistently do what God has commanded us to do without the ability to draw wisdom and insight out of the pages of this amazing book. But this morning I have a, I have a confession to make. And it's somewhat of an embarrassing one and humbling, but I'm I'm willing to make it public. I'm not always excited about reading and studying the Bible. And I know I'm not alone. Chances are, if you and I were to look back on the year of 2018, you might find it a year that was barren in true study of the Word of God. True the leaning of the Word of God. And others, you can look back and you can say it was a great year and we, and we praise God for that. But there are times in my life, and I, I hope you're okay with me saying this and that you're not wanting me to offer my resignation with this. There are times, <laughs> some of you got nervous when I said I had a confession to make. I think my wife probably got really, really super nervous. But there's times in my life, and I don't mind admitting this to you, that I don't always like studying it that I don't always like reading it. And so for sinners like you and me, studying the Bible can sometimes feel burdensome. Sometimes it can feel difficult. Sometimes it can feel confusing. Have you ever been confused by the Word of God? And it can be certainly unexciting. So today, in an effort to remind myself 
as well as you to, in 2019, to kind of piggyback on what God was doing in our heart last week of the emphasis of the need of prayer, going back to the basics, you and I, we are going to see what heart-changing and life-giving power the Bible has in our lives when we will use it as our compass. We see, first of all here, when we are looking into the Word, we find that it gives us a God consciousness. A God consciousness. All you got to do is look to the very, be- the very beginning of the Bible. The very first four words of the Bible. Nick, if you can bring that up, or whoever's back there helping me. I think it's Jamie. Thank you. Let's all say the first four words together. In the beginning, God. Let's try that again. New year. I know a little bit slow here. Ready, begin. In the beginning, God. In the beginning, God. A God consciousness. The existence. The character. The very plan of God. They're all splashed across every single page of Scripture. And since you and I were created for Him, that you and I were created to love Him, because you and I were created to serve Him, we were designed to walk in close communion with Him, you and I must meet, realize the importance of Scripture. Because it is Scripture where you and I find God. It is in Scripture where you and I learn about God. Regular study of the Bible causes everything in your life and mine to be driven by a God consciousness. Now I want to say that beginning statement again. Regular study of the Bible. Now listen, if all we're ever doing, and I'm not trying to to berate you in any way this morning, but if all we're ever doing is just coming on Sundays and relying on me or some other person or Mike to give the Word of God to you, I'm delighted. I thank you. You could be a lot of places today. And so thank you for the privilege. It honestly is a privilege. It's a humbling privilege that you and your family would gather here this morning and you would come under the sound of the Word of God preached. But if that's all we're ever getting, listen, there's not going to be very much of a God consciousness in our life. But when you and I are regularly, daily, a regular study of the Bible, it's going to permeate into your life. Consistent study of the Word of God rescues us from God amnesia that is a constant danger for every single one of us. Without actively digging into the pages of Scripture, we are, to, we are at risk of forgetting at a very practical level that God exists. Let me give you an example. Have you maybe in the last seven days gone through something in your life that has maybe been of some difficulty and we try to figure out all on our own. And I sometimes do that. I sometimes walk through my week. Uh, it's, it's just don't, don't crucify me for this. I'm just trying to be honest. Sometimes I can walk through a given day or certainly a given moment and I live like an, a practical atheist. As if God doesn't even exist. I go to my own wisdom. I go to the well of, of, of what I have done. And I try to work up how to get through things. And so if we're not careful, we will not have a... God consciousness in our life. But the Word of God, the the, the, the life-giving power and the life-heart change of the Word will give you a God conscious. Let me tell you secondly here, it is 
a self-awareness. A self-awareness. Self-awareness. This is really oftentimes only the Word of God will do this for us. Jeremiah 17, verse 9 says, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? I, the Lord, search the heart. I try the reins, even to give every man according to his ways and according to the fruit of his doings. But the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. And and Jeremiah says, "And, and who can know it? Since you and I are sinful, since our heart is and our mind is sinfully deceitful, you and I, we've got to abandon We've got to abandon the idea that we know best. We must abandon the idea in 2019 that you know your heart best. All of us, listen to me, all of us experience extreme blind spots. Many of us will go through life, and it can be particular areas in our life, whether it be our relationship with our spouse or our family or the job or the way we use finances or the way that we think or the way that we treat relationships. We have blind spots. And so knowing the power of sin, knowing that it blinds us, God in His good graces gives us His Word. And James tells us in James 1, but be ye doers of the word and not hearers only deceiving your own selves or if any man be a hearer of the word and not a doer notice what it is he is likened to a man beholding his natural face in a glass for he beholdeth himself and goeth his way and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was but whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty and continueth therein he be not a forgetful hearer but a doer of the work this man shall be blessed in his deed. And so, so James is giving us an equate, or, or, or uh, how the Word of God is like a mirror, just as if I were to come up in the morning before church. Trust me, my hair didn't look like this. I know it doesn't look that great right now, but trust me, it didn't look this good this morning. I mean, hair was going all over. I think I probably had a, I don't know, just a rough night of sleep maybe. I'm trying to work on some of that stuff. And I look in the mirror, and I was like, ah, oh, you know what? We don't have a judgmental church, and we don't, right? I could have come with hair all over the place, right? Some of you did. No, I'm just kidding. Just kidding. And I look in that mirror and I see that there's work that needs to be done and I don't do it. I mean, how foolish is that? Well, God knows how deceitful your heart is. That's why I prayed for supernatural power this morning. You could sit there this morning thinking, Bible reading, I don't need this message. I read it every single day. Sometimes we deceive our own selves. And so God has given us a mirror. God has given us in grace. Hey, Ryan, I don't want you to go around life looking like a crazy man with your hair everywhere. Spiritually, here's your mirror. Look into it, Ryan. Get into the Word. See what is true about you. A lot of times we don't like that. We don't like people telling us biblically the way that it is. And so it's accurate knowledge of yourself. Tells us who God is. Tells us who you are. Get in the book if you want to find out who we really are. And then thirdly, it gives us knowledge of God's plan. There's a principle that is beautifully captured in the Lord's Prayer. 
We see in Matthew 6, verse number 10, it says, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. And so you say, Ryan, what is the, what is the, the principle of this little nugget of, uh, of Jesus' model prayer? You and I were created to live for something bigger than ourselves. You and I were created to live for something bigger than ourselves. Because of this, God works to rescue us from our little kingdom, so to speak, to deliver us to His big kingdom, His big glory, His, His big grace. He wants to remove you from self, where everything is about you and everything that you do is about you and your family and, and to get it to lift up your eyes to His plan and to His kingdom. But what does it practically mean to seek God's kingdom? Well, guess what? It would take all day today to really answer that, but it, the, uh, the answer splashes across every page of Scripture. So if you want to know what God's kingdom work looks like in 2019, you've got to get into the book. You've got to begin to study it. The Bible gives us a clear picture of what it looks like to have your life shaped, not by what you want, but by what God wants. The Bible will paint a portrait of what it looks like to have your life shaped not by your plans, but God's plan for your life. And life shaped by God's wisdom and not yours. James tells us in James 1, verse 6, but let him ask in faith. If you were to go to uh, verse number 5, I failed to put that up there, that you know, if any man lack wisdom, let him ask of God. So we're talking about, so we're, we're talking about wisdom here. And it says, and let him ask in faith, nothing wavering, for he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea, driven with the wind and tossed. For let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord, a double-minded man, is unstable in all his ways. Now, I believe you and I this morning, we need to pay careful attention to this text. I believe sometimes, and I've said this before, I think sometimes we, we, we misunderstand this text. This passage is not warning about an intellectual or theological doubt in and of itself. It is not saying that the moment you doubt, God turns His back on you and God walks away. I don't believe that's what it's teaching at all. I want to give you two indicators here of why, what I believe this uh, text means that it has a far more deeper and profound um, thing in this passage than just, hey, don't, don't doubt. I believe it's deeper than that. Let's look carefully at verse number 6. But let him ask in faith nothing, what's the word? Wavering. We we looking up there? But let him ask in faith. So, verse 5, if any man lack wisdom, I think we all can say, yeah, there's times to lack wisdom. Let him ask of God and give it to all men liberally and abrate not. But let him ask in faith nothing wavering. Nothing wavering. The word there for wavering, if you were to, if you were to look into the Greek, you would see that there is a distinction when you look at Chapter 2, verse 4. Would you bring that verse up, Nick? And ye are not then, are ye not then partial in yourselves and are become judges and evil thoughts? So, chapter 2 at the beginning, you've got the rich coming into the church and you've got the poor coming into the church. 
The rich, you can clearly tell because they're dressed in a certain way. The poor, you can clearly tell because apparently they're dressed a certain way and there might be other ramifications of that. And so uh, what a church does, hypothetical church there, what James is referencing here, and he's saying, hey, you that, uh, you that look, whoa, you that look nice, you that, uh, you that are, have all the money, hey, come sit up here. And you that are poor, you can sit in the back or the Bible literally says under my footstool. And then James asked the question, are ye not then partial? You will find the word partial and the word wavering are the exact same word. The exact same word. The word wavering is not about intellectual struggle. It is about being torn between two choices. That's what it's talking about. When you waver, you're being, you're being torn between two choices. And there's another clue, obviously, verse 8 of our text. A double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. You literally, it's almost like, like, like there's two hearts. There's, there's, two, there's two souls to the person. A double-hearted man, because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth think, or out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. And so you think, and other times, as a man thinketh in his heart, the mind, heart are connected. A double-hearted man is unstable in all of his ways. James is saying there is in all of us a conflict set of desires. Stick with me, please. There is a way in which we really do want the wisdom of God. You want to know why? Because our foolishness has been pulled out. We've seen it. When we, when we do foolish things, yikes. What happens? Wreck, right? Ruin. And so, we do want the wisdom of God. Absolutely. God, what do you want in this situation? But there's other times we want our own way. We want our own way. We love God and we love ourselves. We have wonderful plans for our lives and yet I still want God in my life. So here's what James is saying. James says, God has no commitment to giving us wisdom so our self-focused purposes will work. Let that sink in. 2019, welcome to church. <laughs> he has no commitment whatsoever. I asked for wisdom! What did you want to consume that wisdom upon? Your kingdom or His? So That's what James is saying. God is, God's wisdom is kingdom wisdom. And it's for those who are loyal to the work of His kingdom. Now listen, again, th th this makes sense. If you go all the way back to Genesis chapter number 3, and you have Adam and Eve in the garden, and you have Satan that comes in and he begins to tempt Eve, well, what did she see? She saw that fruit. She saw, hmm, man, that looks good. And what else did she see? She desired it that she could become wise. Genesis 3, and when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was pleasant to the eyes and a tree to be desired to make one, what? Wise. She took of the fruit thereof and did eat and gave also unto her husband with her and he did eat. I want you to notice her, her, her delusion. And I'll be honest with you, it's a delusion that all of us fall into. 
Because if it's possible to gain autonomous wisdom or wisdom apart from God, then it is also possible that I could use that wisdom to advance my purpose. I want my will to work. There is in all of us a tug of loyalty between God's will and our will. Between God's kingdom and our kingdom. There is a tug in every situation, in every location of human life. There are times when you will live in submissiveness to God's wisdom, and there are other times when you're going to have doubt. You're going to doubt what is right, but you choose, or you know what is right, but you're going to choose to do wrong. Why? Because it's what we want. That's what James is talking about. You know you ought not speak to your children with that rash anger, Ryan, but we do it anyways. You know it's wrong to gossip about a friend, but we like that little emotion of telling a tale about somebody else. You know that you should not buy that next big thing. You know that you've spent way too much money already, yet we indulge on the pleasure anyways. I knew I wasn't going to get a lot of amens. Let the Word of God speak this morning. Okay? This is in all of us. This is real. There's this, this wavering is not, oh, have a little bit of doubt. No, no, no. It's we've got this duplicity in us. And the, the sooner we acknowledge that, the sooner we have this partiality in us, the quicker we will run back to the Word. You and I know that we should spend time in the Word. But how often does 45 minutes of sleep sound better? Right? Can we just be honest? I did it this morning. But it was only 18 minutes. It was only two snoozes. The alarm went off. Like, oh, I don't want to get up yet. And it was only two snoozes. Saying, Ryan, there's sometimes it's 45. Yes! Sometimes, right? We know we ought to get up. We know that this is God is calling us to His Word so that He could so He can show us His plan. But we want our own plan. You, you with me? You okay? Sometimes we find it easier to spend hundreds and hundreds of dollars on stuff. We have a hard time putting hundreds and hundreds of dollars in an offering plate. Uh oh. We we still okay? I asked you if we were okay before that on purpose. I don't think you and I can humbly read James 1 there, those few verses, and not say, hey, Lord, this is me. This is me. God has not given His grace to make your personal kingdom of one work. God has given you His grace to invite you to a much better kingdom. You know what I'm praying? You know what I'm praying we'll do in 2019? Not that we didn't necessarily do it in 2018, but more so in 2019 that we would take the invitation to God's kingdom. That we would relinquish our own self-ambitions of what we think that we deserve and what we want, and we'd say, ultimately, God, I am submitting this to You because I want a far better kingdom. Wisdom runs on the rails of submission and obedience. Back to James 1, but let him ask in faith, nothing wavering, for he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea, driven with the wind and tossed. Like waves of the sea, they're tossed about because we lack the loyalty of faith. We are driven by every wind of desire. We're driven by every wind of emotion. We're driven by every wind of temptation. Every wind of envy. We're unstable. 
And so how do you and I get to know what the kingdom of God is calling you to in the book? In the book. We learn about God. We learn about ourselves. We learn about His pull of us to His kingdom. Number four, and there's seven of them. Don't worry, we're going to blow by the next ones really quick. Hey, it's a new year, right? We can be here all day, right? Number four, personal transformation. Personal transformation. If you and I were to ask the question, what is God doing in the world right now? You can answer it with one word, change. God is trying to bring about change. The power of sin absolutely has been broken. The pleasure of sin still remains. So God is working by grace to progressively transform every one of us. That's kind of 10 o'clock. I'm going through kind of this process. I love the word picture that Isaiah gives us in Isaiah 55. It says, instead of the thorns shall come up the fir tree, also known as the cypress tree. Instead of the briar shall come up the myrtle tree. Now, if you and I were to, it's raining outside right now, and if you and I were to have a thorn bush in our backyard, maybe you do, or you were to have some kind of a weed in your backyard, and you were to get a bunch of rain like it is right now, what would you expect that weed to do? Become an apple tree, right? Wait, wait, wait a minute, that, that's not what you expect? You'd expect that weed to get a little bit bigger. And so we are going to chop that weed down. However, it's amazing what, well, what the inspiration of the Holy Spirit and Isaiah tells us here that if you were to read chapter 55, when, 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 what the Word of God does for us, when you allow the rain of God's Word to water your soul, you do not become a bigger rendition of what you once were. But by grace, you become something radically new and are organically different. It's amazing what God can do. It's amazing what His Word can do. It's amazing that if you'll just buy in and say, hey, I'm going to be a man or woman of prayer and I'm going to be a man or woman of Bible study in 2019, you will be amazed what comes from your life. Say, Ryan, you don't know my past. No, no, no. God takes weeds and makes apple trees. And He can take the mess that maybe 2018 was for you and drastically change it. Transformation. Get in the book, you will transform. Let me give you a fifth area here. Gospel worldview. Gospel worldview. You sticking with me? It's okay? I don't know if you thought about this, but I've definitely shared this with you before and I want to remind you with it here this morning. You are a theologian. Every one of you are a theologian. I don't mean an academic theologian maybe studying the biblical history of things and uh, languages and all that, but you are an everyday theologian. Every day, you and I interpret our experiences through the lens of which we know about God. Mike preached beautifully on that last week. The reason why we don't pray is because we don't know God the way we should. We're ignorant when it comes to who God is. And so what happens is, is you and I, we, we make assumptions. We, we draw conclusions about God and about ourselves and about our world. And what's so dangerous about that is you and I, we don't even know that we're doing it. 
And so situations come our way, and, and we're, we're, we're not students of the book. We're not, we're not digging deeper in it. We're not learning more about God. We're not learning more about ourselves. We're not learning more about His plan. We're not learning about how to transform. And so now we're just walking around, can I say this, kind of uh, anti-Christ theologians and just be like, well, God, if you really cared, and God, if you really loved, and we make all of these accusations bringing God, I say this all the time, bringing God down into our courtroom. Notice how I said we. I didn't say you. Because, man, I do it too. But you and I, we get a gospel worldview. We begin to see that this is an a origin to destiny story. That God is the originator of everything. And that God has a destiny for everything. And that you and I, we're not just some wandering around, but that God is bringing everything into our life for our good and His glory. In the Word. Say, Ryan, where's that at? You study it. From Genesis to Revelation, you find an origin to destiny story. You get a gospel world view. Number six, everyday guidance. Everyday guidance. This is where our text that I read at the beginning, Thy Word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. If you're like me, and I suspect that you are, you hardly go a day where you don't need the rubber meets the road, every moment, street level guidance of God. What should I say in this conversation? What should I do in this situation? How should I navigate this relationship, this location, every single day? You know what you need? You need guidance. And the Bible tells us thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light into my path. You will be given the guidance that you need for tomorrow and the next day and the next day in the Word of God. It's like a spiritual GPS. Number seven. Number seven. Commitment to ministry. God, God's Word reminds us again and again that the most important work in the universe is His work of redemption. Studying in the Bible will remind us that we've not been called to just be recipients of His grace, but to be actual agents of His grace. Paul told us in 2 Corinthians 5, and it says here, now then ye are ambassadors for Christ. You and I are just an extension of God. God, thank You for the grace that has been found in Jesus Christ. Thank You for the cross. Thank You for, thank you for dying on the cross to pay for my sin. Thank You for reconciling me to God. And in this text, You and I are now ambassadors and we are to be reconciling the world to God. Where You and I begin to realize that it isn't just about us. It isn't just about my wife. It isn't just about my kids. It isn't just about my family and my ministry and my job but it's about the kingdom of God and all of us will realize that, oh, that's not just a paid position thing. That's not just Ryan's job. That's not just Mike's job. That is my job. To be about reconciling men to Christ. You and I, hear what I'm about to say. I'm concluding. You can hear the music. We simply will not be what God has called us to be apart from studying the amazing pages of this book. Man, we went back to like Sunday school the last couple weeks. Prayer, 
Then on Wednesday night, we just dove into that. Seven or eight more questions. It was wonderful. And then today, are you serious, Ryan? Bible reading? Listen to what Spurgeon said. I would recommend you either believe God up to the hilt or else do not believe it at all. Believe this book of God, every letter of it, or else reject it. There is no logical standing place between the two. Be satisfied with nothing less than a faith that swims in the deeps of divine revelation. He means the Word of God. A faith that just paddles about the edges of the water is poor faith at best. It is little better than a dry land faith and is not good for much. I pose the similar statement that Mike said last week, listen, this is not a legalistic approach. You know what the Word of God is? It is God's grace to you so that you can know Him. God's grace to you so that you can know yourself. Oh, we would look in the mirror and we would say everything is fine, but God gives us His Word so we can draw to Christ. So we can know that we need Him. In the annual report of the American Bible Society, They tell of a man by the name of William McPherson. William was a superintendent for a stone quarry when there was a blast that severely injured him. He lost his eyesight and he lost both of his hands. But William had a love for the Word. So William learned how to read Braille with his tongue. And it is said that he read the Word of God from cover to cover four times before he died. Now hear what I'm about to say. I did not tell you that story to make you feel guilty. I am just saying, praise God for your eyes. Praise God for our hands. William's no greater of a saint because he lost his eyes and he lost his hands. He was just a man that loved the Word and wanted to get into the Word. And so can I challenge us in 2019, simplest of challenges, piggyback on Pastor Mike, let's be a church of prayer. Let's be a church, men and women, that are in the book. You'll learn about God. You'll learn about yourself. You'll learn about God's plan. And ultimately, it'll bring you to a gospel world view that changes the way you live your life. Every head bowed, every eye closed.